Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. All right, well, as you can see, we're doing something a little bit different this Sunday. We are in the middle of a series called Relationships 101. Uh, All of us are in relationships. All of us have uh, some sort of relationships in our lives, whether that just be with the people we go to church with or these kinds of relationships, Um, you know, marriages, children, grandparents, parents, co-workers, whatever they are, there's all sorts of different relationships that we're in. And the Bible speaks towards these relationships. Uh, God is a relational God. Uh, He created us for relationship with him. So we want to live that out the best way that we know how and the best way that the Bible teaches us to. Jesus himself was all about relationships. Uh, So We're going to start out a little bit different this week, and uh, since in our series, Relationships 101, we are this week talking about marriage. Uh, I thought that I would have my wife with me, and uh, she'll help me out some. We'll see how this will go. Uh, I have full confidence in her. I think she'll do all right, and uh, she's going to help me out some, but... We wanted to uh, to start a little bit differently, and instead of just getting straight into Bible or something like that, we'll give you guys a little bit of a comedic relief, I guess. Mm, we're so, not funny. Uh, well, one of us is. Um, you're hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, if you're if you're not familiar with, uh, there's something called the newlywed game, where generally the couples are each asked questions from a third party and. Uh, you, you want to see how well they actually know each other. We've been married for not newlywed time. We're oldlyweds. Uh, yeah, we're oldlyweds. Is that a thing? It is. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> um, so we came up with questions that only the opposite will ask. So we've got three questions for each other, and we're going to see how this goes. So who's going to go first, me or you? Well, you said yours are funny, so well, that puts hilarious. the pressure on me. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you go first then. <laughs> Go for it. What is the strangest gift I've ever given you? The strangest gift you've ever given me? Um, Ooh. um, I want to go with a stuffed duck named Obi, right? Okay. After Star Wars? Yes. It was Obi. Okay, yeah. That wasn't the only stuffed duck you got. No, that's true. (laughs) But that's the one I would go with. Okay. Because his name was Obi. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, What was the worst date I've taken you on? Oh, gosh. Put you on the spot here. (laughs) Our marriage is on the line. I was going to ask questions about dates because, I mean, that's what everyone does, but... I can't remember very many of our dates, if I'm honest. Wow. Okay, so all of them are bad. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. The worst date. Um, Twilight. Oh, I forgot We went to go see Twilight in theater as a group date with, like, five of my friends, which is an odd number. Um, And it was was weird. Yeah. Uh, One of them was 
one of those friends was my sister, which is your ex-girlfriend and her boyfriend. Well, that's out of the bag now. So? so. Yeah, okay, that qualifies. <laughs> that qualifies. All right, go ahead. Um, who would you cast to play me in a movie? Oh, goodness. Uh, oh, man, what's her name? <laughs> uh, she was on Doctor Who and then Jumanji. Oh, um, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. I'll take it. All right. Uh, what's the first thing I would buy if I won the lottery? A Tesla. Yeah, that's true. 100%. <laughs> Which model? S. <laughs> she gets me, guys. She gets me. Tesla Model S. I'd probably go for the gray, but in all reality, I'd get the red. Yeah. Get the red. Yeah. You like okay. tickets. Yep. All right. Complete the sentence. A perfect wife is one who... Is you? That's the right answer, but okay. I mean... <laughs> uh, a perfect wife is one who... Well, it's not going to be funny, but it's honest. Loves Jesus more than me. Okay. I'll go with that. Yeah. Because this is church, so I have to. <laughs> uh, last question. What one word best describes me first thing in the morning? A cat. A cat. Okay. I mean, that word yeah. describes you in general, but you don't want to be touched. You don't want to look at anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. Loud noises are a hard no. It's true. It's And it's if true. it's cold, even remotely, if there's a fan on, it's off. Nope. Give you a blanket and give you a coffee and you're good. <laughs> you're a cat. <laughs> all right. I'll take it. That's all true. All right. So enough of that. We'll get into actual biblical content now that you know who we are and uh, our weird quirks. Um, so... I want to start this off by saying that um, marriage as a whole, as we unpack this, it should be founded on the tenets of love and respect. Those are, if there's nothing else that you get from all of this, I want you to get that at the very least, uh, that your marriage should be founded on love and respect. And so that comes from Ephesians 5. Uh, verses 25 through 33, and I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In, the, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, and Kean, right here at the very end, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So you have right there this uh, this working back and forth between the husband and wife of 
love and respect. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. And and this means working in tandem together to cultivate the healthiest marriage that we possibly can. And what often happens, um, if you haven't read um, Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich, I would highly recommend that. Uh, it's what I have to date used for my marriage counseling sessions. Uh, that's what was used for us when we went through counseling. And what Emerson talks about in this book is he starts out talking about something called the crazy cycle. And what this is, is it's driven by the principle that recognize Paul doesn't tell husbands to respect their wives and wives to love their husbands because, yes, there's always an exception to the rule. But most of the time, that's a given. Like, men, you you understand, we live on an honor code. Right? Like if somebody disrespects your wife to your face, you're going to handle that, right? You, you don't even have to think twice about it. We live on a respect code. And uh, women just naturally, I think, are just prone to love. Uh, the way that they are with children, the way that they are with other people, with other women, they just, uh, they're more prone to love. And so when you get a spouse who's suddenly together, the men naturally want to respect the wife and the wives naturally want to love the husband. But Paul flips this and he says, husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. And what will happen, why this is called the crazy cycle is your wife will do something that she perceives as loving, but you may perceive as disrespectful, right? Like if my wife has brought to me for the fourth time, a marriage book that she wants to read together, Uh, I may start to think like, why does she think I'm so bad at marriage? Why is she disrespecting me like this? Um, And and I may do all sorts of things to respect her, but she may be thinking, why does he never take me on dates? Why is why does he never lay lay down what he wants to do and just love me? And so what can happen in the crazy cycle is uh, my wife loves me, but. I feel disrespected, so I don't give her love. She doesn't feel loved, so she doesn't give me any respect. And it just creates this crazy cycle. And what Emerson goes through in this book is how to stop the crazy cycle. And it's totally just based on what Paul is talking about right here. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. So the idea is when my wife does something that makes me feel disrespected, I love her anyway. And what that will do is that will then fuel her to start respecting me, which will make me want to love her, which will make her want to respect me. And so it just, it takes one of us really to just totally flip around the crazy cycle and get our marriages back in order. So uh, the first thing I want to throw this over to you, when we're talking about this idea of love and respect, how can you respect your husband when he isn't a great leader? really difficult (laughs) yeah um firstly for me when i'm feeling disrespected or not loved it's probably because i'm feeling not seen and not heard um and my first thing is that i need to just back off for a minute and either be quiet or get out of the house because that's my natural tendency as my personality um or i start vigorously cleaning and it's a problem (laughs) um but the best thing that I can do in that situation is just to take that time 
and get my emotions together because if I'm coming to you emotionally, that's going to be inflammatory. Um, and if I take that time, then I can pray about it and decide from there what would be the best and most godly way to approach you. Um, and for me, respect is a decision. Um, I have to choose to come to you and talk to you clearly. And through our relationship, we have found that communicating is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and it's how you feel respected. And that's obviously how I'm going to be heard. I can't be heard if I'm not talking. Right. <laughs> so that's the biggest thing for me. Okay. Um, but I need to be really intentional about being able to communicate with you. Right. Being able to pray for you because when I'm emotional, I can't do that. <laughs> um, and also finding ways to serve you because if I remind myself how to serve you, I can remind myself how to love you. And if I can remind myself how to love you, I can respect you a lot easier. Yeah. And that makes sense. You, you almost have to, in hard seasons, go back to your roots, which is love and allow that to propel you to the things that are a little bit harder. Like if you just try to jump into the things that are more difficult, mm -hmm. you're gonna make it more difficult than it needs to be. So this is a two-sided coin, right? Um, wives respect your husbands, but Paul also told husbands to respect their wives. So um, how how do you love your wife when she seems to, to disrespect you? And fortunately, this hasn't been a real problem in our marriage for me to have to deal with. Um, and anytime it has, it's been kind of like she's said communication. Um, I, I think there's been a couple times maybe that I don't think she's ever tried to disrespect me, but if I felt it, I immediately get it out there so that we can address it. We can get to the facts, to the truth and, and we can move on from there. But you know, how do I love my wife when she either seems to disrespect me or is disrespecting me? Uh, and it just comes down to to loving like Jesus loved, right? Like Paul doesn't just lay out, he doesn't just say, husbands love your wives. He actually prefaces the whole thing back in verse 25, where he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus didn't wait for the church to respect him. He just said, if the church needs me to lay down my life for them, I will lay down my life for them. If the church needs me to die on a cross, I will die on a cross. If the church needs to spit in my face, I will have my face spatten. Uh, it, it was just a blatant, I will love at all costs. Uh, I will lay everything down that all, all of his desires, all of his, I mean, Jesus straight up went into the garden and prayed and said, God, not my will, but your will be done. It, and that's what it comes down to is we often think like treat people how you would want to be treated. I want to be treated with respect. So that's my natural tendency is treat her with respect and everything should be good. But I have to, I actually have to pause. And what love requires of me is that I ask the question instead, what, do, what does my wife want? How would my wife want to be treated in this moment? Uh, how, can, how can I love her in a way that she feels loved? And that often means laying aside what I want to do. That far too often means turning off hockey games, uh, spending extra time with the kids and telling her, hey, this is your break. Go take a breather for a minute. I got the kids for now. 
uh, things like that. Not that I don't want to spend time with my kids, but uh, <laughs> I'll cover that up real quick. But yeah, it just comes down to laying myself down and saying, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what I want or what I need right now. I am going to love my wife unconditionally based on her needs. And, and that's what's going to drive us forward. Um, and so both of these things, they take intentionality from us. They take actually sitting down, stopping and thinking, how can I love my wife? How can I respect my husband? Whether times are good, whether times are bad and recognizing the crazy cycle, right? Recognizing that what probably happens in a lot of our marriages is that the man feels disrespected so he has a hard time loving his wife. So then she has a hard time respecting him. And what you don't realize is that you're just in this crazy cycle that's been going on for years. And and you have all these thoughts about it. But what you're not realizing is that even in those moments, your wife probably doesn't actually have any ill will towards you. She doesn't hate you. She just doesn't get it. Just like you don't. I mean, I can't think of even how many times I've heard men say they just don't get women. Mm-hmm. And and it's because we're different as we should be. I mean, think about it. When God created Adam, he said it's not good that he should be alone. Well, there's all these animals that God just told Adam to spend time with and name and everything else. And we've got three dogs. I love my dogs. Two of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one's mine. Yeah. Uh, but But that's not what God gave Adam. Um, God could have just said, Hey, here's a son. I mean, like this is God we're talking about. He, he could have made man to just be able to have kids on his own, but he didn't. Instead, he gave Adam a wife and he said, that's good. And so there's something unique about that. Um, not that we're designed to complete each other. And I want to really emphasize this for a moment. We don't complete each other. Jesus completes us. Don't put that sort of weight on your spouse's shoulders. They were never designed for it. We are simply two broken people being broken together, trying to seek Jesus the best that we can. So uh, I think that brings us really well, actually, into the next thing that we want to address just really quickly. The purpose of marriage isn't to fulfill you. It's not to make you feel better. It's not to give you someone to love. The purpose of marriage, like everything else in this world, is to make you more like Jesus. And so uh, just a couple practical tips that we want to give you that you can use in your marriage to help uh, both yourself be discipled and be more like Jesus, but also uh, to help your spouse become more like Jesus. And so I'm going to throw this back over to you again. What's what's the first principle that we can apply right away to help us and our spouse become more like Jesus? Pray for each other. Okay. Um, if we're praying for each other, then we're communicating on what we need from each other. Mm-hmm. And we're also communicating what's bothering us and right. what would help us the most as far as bringing our relationship closer together. Right. And if I'm praying for you, I feel more connected to you. Right. Um, if I know that you're praying for me, it humbles me greatly mm-hmm. and helps me to feel more connected to you also. Right. Yeah, I I think praying for each other is huge. Communicating that you're praying for each other and communicating, how can I be praying for you? You know, what is it in in your life that you need me to be praying about uh, so that we can be praying together through these things 
to help each other become more like Jesus. And it's crazy when you actually realize what the purpose of marriage is and you move towards that purpose, it becomes so much more fulfilling. Uh, so praying for your spouse is huge. Um, and then uh, another thing that I think is really important is learning to communicate with each other how to love and support each other emotionally, mentally, and physically. And I think that this just, again, comes down to intentionality, but also to practice, right? Like we understand practice makes perfect. Nobody's graded anything out of the gates. Um, for me, communicating emotions, <laughs> but I've had to learn to start practicing that with my wife. I've had to start telling her, hey, this is how uh, this makes me feel. And uh, it's helped to tear down a lot of walls to help us to be more vulnerable with each other. Uh, which has led to us growing closer to each other and also to us having to lean more on Jesus, realizing that neither of us, again, can fulfill each other. Um, do you have any thoughts on how to communicate with each other to love and support you emotionally, mentally, and physically? This one's hard for me because I really hate being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I've always hated being vulnerable. Um, it makes me feel anxious and exposed, um, which, I mean, that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> but I've always hated being vulnerable with you also. And we've been together forever. Like we were kids when we started dating and I struggled until after Parker was born. So that's what, 10 years mm -hmm. that I struggled to talk to you about things. Um, I have grown a lot since we got married. Um, but the first three years were so hard for me to communicate what I was feeling, what I was expecting, um, what I was thinking, um, even physical needs. If I needed space, I couldn't tell you to go away. Um, if I needed attention, I couldn't tell you, hey, can you turn off your video game because I really need you to cuddle with me right now. Um, it just, it was really difficult for me to learn that. Um, and it took me having children and having a mental breakdown to get to that point. Um, but what I've learned is that allowing myself to first acknowledge within myself that I have a need um, and that I don't have to be a strong, independent woman who doesn't need a man. Um, allowing myself to feel that and realize that helped me to express that a little bit better um, instead of hiding and cleaning dishes or going for a walk or whatever I decided to do, go to Target. Um, I could actually trust you with my emotions. I knew I could trust you, but trusting you with the scary parts of me, the parts that made me feel less than wonderful, less than beautiful, um, trusting you with all of that deepened our relationship a lot. Um, and like I said before, it, um, I can't be heard or seen if I don't make myself visible or speak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think the main theme of this is practice. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it takes some intentionality and it takes some practice to and get through those things. Yeah. Yeah. So our encouragement would just be to keep working through it. Mm -hmm. 
we're, we're starting to run out of time, but uh, what I want to try to run through real quick is I went through and I looked up some of the top questions that people seem to have about marriage. And I compiled those five questions. Uh, Katie is going to take two of them. I've got three of them. And we want to try and run through these fairly quickly and just give you some quick answers to some of the most commonly asked questions about marriage. So... Uh, the first one is mine, so I'll jump into this first. And what people ask most often is, how will life change if we get married? So if you're one of those people who's on the fence, uh, you, maybe you're engaged and you're wondering, like, hey, we've been together for so long, like, it's not going to be any different when we get married. Um, I get why you would think that, but what I have found is that what marriage does is it kind of works like an exponent on who you are, right? Like it brings everything to be so much more than it was before. Uh, and I don't think it's so much that those things about you didn't exist before. You just didn't have somebody to point them out so lovingly. And, uh, and I say that in a healthy way. You need someone to point those things out. I actually heard somebody say recently that if you're not married and you don't have a roommate, get a roommate because you need somebody to point those things out to you. Yeah. So um, life will change some, but you'll find that it, it kind of works like an exponent, right? Like my wife and I were very kind to each other while dating. And we found that that just grew in our marriage. Uh, but the problems, they also grew. And so it took some intentionality to address those things. So uh, next up, I've got a question for you. How do we respond to falling out of love? I don't think you can um, because there's a difference between infatuation and love. Um, and just like respect, love is a choice. You choose to wake up in the morning and love the person with stinky breath that's breathing in your face. Thanks. You choose to love the child, I'll use Felicity, who um, wakes up screaming and whining, mom, I'm hungry, I want yogurt. That's not very lovable. Um, so you can choose to love her and get out of bed and leave your husband sleeping next to you in the warm bed <laughs> while you go get yogurt for the child. Um, it's a deliberate decision to serve and love and respect and to be in love, to be in relationship is a decision, just like any other relationship that you're in. If you are in a friendship, you're choosing to be friends. You're choosing to be in a dating relationship. You're choosing to be married. Um, there is a feeling component also, um, but you can't do anything if you if your brain isn't engaged yeah yeah so uh next up is me and uh this is a fun question that we'll all love <laughs> uh how often should married couples have sex and uh, let me start by saying this there is no normal right uh there are some people who say that it should be a couple times a week or uh, a couple times a month if you're older um but there is no normal. Researchers can't even agree on that. So here's what I want to say. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 4, uh, that your bodies belong to each other and withholding is sinful. 
Paul writes, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband, in the same way the husband does not have authority over his body, but yields it to his wife. And uh, Paul even goes on from there and tells them not to withdraw from each other or to withhold anything. Um, So, in short, there's no normal. You work it out as a couple, uh, but understand that you are fulfilling each other's needs. um, And the frequency should come down to love and respect. Uh, Is the frequency based off of how your wife is respecting you and how you are loving your wife? And it takes a lot of communication for that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, next up, number four, how to deal with conflict between your parents and your spouse. So in other words, between me and my in-laws. Yes. Um, If you and my mom have a fight, that's probably a really big deal because my mom doesn't fight with anyone. Uh, My dad, maybe. But anyway, Um, when I said yes to marrying Seth. I said yes to always being on his team, to always being on his side. And I made very clear to my parents, uh, sorry mom, that I'm not going to talk to them about any conflict that he and I have together and that I'm on his side. Um, All of our issues are our issues and their opinions are their opinions, and I'm going to leave them on the table and side with my husband. Um, When I said yes, I said, yes, I'm on your team 100% all of the time. So if there is a conflict between you and my parents, and I have to stand between you guys, I'm going to stand between you guys on your side. Um, And I would expect you to do the same if I had an issue with your parents Um, Mm -hmm. or vice versa, however it might work out. Um, Your spouse always comes first because you left your parents to join this marriage and there's no other way to do it. Yeah, that's that's actually what Paul references. He quotes Genesis in Ephesians 5 where we started, where he talks about leaving your parents to become one flesh with your spouse. We are one flesh, not with our parents, just with each other. So yeah, Uh, last question. What about money? Like, this is this is a fun thing in any marriage, and I'll try to be really quick here. It's our last question, and we'll close it out. Uh, but this is the root cause of a lot of divorces, money. Uh, and, and the brother of Jesus, James, he tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. So I think that's why we see such high divorce rates based on, uh, based on money. Uh, having said this, I think that even if one of the individuals in the marriage is more competent with money than the other, both parties still need to stay informed. You still have to work together on this. Even if money stresses you out and it's not your thing, at least be informed with what your spouse is doing and planning and all of that. Uh, At the end of the day, this is just another area in which marriage is made to make us look more like Jesus. And so you need to ask the question, are you willing to lay down your God of money to love your spouse well and help him or her look more like Jesus? Um, I, I think money is difficult for a lot of people, and that's why Jesus actually talks about it more than he does forgiveness. At the end of the day, 
Katie and I frequently sit down and we budget out money to be sure that it's a tool for loving our family and others well, not something that we're pursuing or using simply to try and fulfill ourselves. Which is why we don't have a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but again, I want to say real quick, we want to make sure that our money is a tool for loving our family and others well first. That's what your money should be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's why Jesus talks about it so much because uh, it can easily control us and he doesn't want that for our lives. So uh, we'll close out with that. Um, if you do have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at portervillefirstbaptist at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to continue the conversation. I love talking about marriage. I love love. It's the best. Uh, so you can reach out to us. We'd, we'd love to keep working with you. But um, I do want to remind you before we close out that in marriage, your spouse cannot and will not fulfill you. Don't put that pressure on them. Put it in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has ever been perfect. He's the only one who has ever and will continue to love you perfect. Uh, everything that you're looking for is in Jesus, not your spouse. So uh, for those of us who already know Jesus and are married, use your marriage to make you and your spouse look more like Jesus. Uh, and if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, that's got to be ground one. That's got to be where you start. And that will launch the tra trajectory of everything else that you do in your life, uh, knowing that your identity rests in the God of the universe who loves you uh, unconditionally. And so I just want to leave you with that. I want to encourage you. And, uh, and we want to pray for you before we close out today. So God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for um, thank you for my wife who is willing to come and, and to do this with me. Thank you for the lessons that you've taught us in marriage. And uh, we ask that our marriage as well as all of those in the church could be used to glorify you, to, to help us to look more like you, to serve our community and show them you. And we just pray that through our marriages, through the things that we do, that you would be lifted up and you would fulfill your promise in which you say that if you are lifted up, you will draw all men unto yourself. Uh, God, we just love you so much. We thank you for your unconditional love for us. Uh, and we praise you. Uh, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.